Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 23. I'm going to read approximately 40 verses of Scripture. Come on. Uh, we don't just... We don't just come up here to give you an inspirational chat. We come together around the Word of God. And it is the inspired, infallible Word of God. And it is from that that we draw the truth because it is the truth. It defines truth for us. And so if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. I'm going to stop at verse 31, and then I'm going to skip forward to chapter 5, verse 12, just to keep you in the loop. It'll be on the screen behind me, but here's what it says. It says, on their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, saying, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, they said, uh, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city and conspired against your holy servant Jesus, whom they appointed, whom you appointed, anointed, sorry. Ugh, here we go. Uh, they did what your, your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your words with, with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Just a bit of context before I read the next part. What's happened is that Peter and John uh, were going into the temple like they always did, and they, they met a beggar. This is in Acts chapter 3. Um, who was sitting at the gate called Beautiful, and they, they basically say to him, look, we don't have gold, we don't have silver, but what we do have is the power and the Spirit of God because we got filled just before this um, in Acts chapter 2, and so what we, we have that, so we're going to give that to you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. So they get up and walk, and the people are just like, oh my goodness, like everyone's just mind blown. Um, what is going on? And then Peter, and Peter gets the opportunity to preach. And he goes, well, listen, this is basically what's happened. The man who you crucified just a couple of weeks earlier, Jesus, um, he's gone and he sent us the Holy Spirit. And so this is now what's happening. Um, and this is the new reality in which we live in. And everyone's just like tripping. Like, okay, what is going on? And so then they get thrown in jail and then they get beaten a little bit and then they get released from jail. And they don't get beaten yet, but they get released and said, listen, basically the threat was this, don't preach in Jesus' name ever again. We don't want to hear that name. We don't want to talk about that name. Um, you need to leave and go back to wherever you came from, but don't talk about that name. So that's where we pick up that scripture. So they go back to their people and go, listen, this is what we've just experienced. And the, their response is, God, make us bolder. God, would you in honor of your servant Jesus, perform miracles, signs and wonders, and give us great boldness to not back down from this point, right? So that's what happens. Then we jump forward a little bit to Acts chapter 5, and I'm going to read 30 bits of scripture. 30, I might paraphrase some of it just for the sake of time. But it says this, the apostles performed many signs and wonders amongst the people, and all the believers used, uh, used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, 
Uh, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on their beds and mats so that, that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and their tormented with impure spirits, and all of them were healed. How crazy is that? Like, could you imagine Pastor Sam walking down Redcliffe um, Esplanade and someone's just hoping his shadow falls on them? Right? Like, Sam's so just drenched in the Spirit of God, just uh, Or maybe it's you in your shadow. Come on now. Let's continue. Well, you know, the theme we're talking about, just to skip ahead, is greater things. I think when someone's shadow can heal someone, we're talking about greater things. Moving on. You're obviously not ready for it. We'll get there. It's fine. Uh, Then the high priest and all his associates, uh, the members of the party of the Sadducees, were jealous, uh, filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called, the, uh, they called together Sanhedrin. Um, basically, they come forward. They said, can you bring those guys out? They go out and say, look, we can't find them. And then someone runs in and says, hey, the guys you put in jail, uh, they're now teaching people. Um, it says this, look, the men you put in jail were standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain of the guard went with his officers and brought the apostles to the Sanhedrin. Um, they did not use force because they feared that the people might stone them. The apostles were brought um, and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and questioned by the high priest. He said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And that is a whole message in and of itself, right? And the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed hanging him on a cross. God exalted him at his right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness, forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us um, and to whom we obey. Uh, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Then this guy called Gamil, uh, he chums up and says, hey guys, like, put them out. Let's have a chit-chat here in the Sanhedrin. He talks to them about a whole bunch of other guys that had raised up and said certain things and done certain things and it all come to nothing. Then Gamil ends with this statement, and this is where we'll pick it back up. He said this, listen, uh, uh, therefore, if the activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles. They called the apostles back in and had them flogged. And a flogging back then was not like a wooden spoon. But that, thank you. It's probably my son. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> Um, but, um, but they had them flogged. The, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy for suffering, the disgra- uh, suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching, proclaiming the good news of Jesus is the Messiah. 
Um, the current theme we're gathering, I know a lot of scripture, I just kind of lay that out there right there. That's, that's kind of the foundation we're going to talk about today. Uh, the theme we're gathering around here at City Point in the month of September is called Greater Things. And that's really come out of the scripture in John chapter 14, verse 12, which says, uh, it says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. And the context for that conversation is Jesus is like, hey, I'm leaving. This is what's going to happen. And and because I'm leaving, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to be God with you on the earth. Um, We believe that God is here on the earth and at work in the earth today, and not only in the world and on the earth, but also in and through us, if we want him to be. And so we're now in this predicament. There's this tension that's automatically raised now because the scripture, which is truth, tells us that we are to walk in greater things than what we experience and see in the life of Jesus, and yet I don't always see those things taking place. Is that just me? Right, but so we're now in this tension, okay? And so I want to unpack some stuff for us tonight. We currently don't see the things that we saw in the life of Jesus. That's the tension. But I would say that if we want to see what Jesus saw and did what Jesus did, we must walk as Jesus walked and live how he lived. I sound a little bit like Dr. Zeus, but that's fine. (laughs) We must know the same source and the same power that Jesus knew and walked in. Our challenge is to actively live our faith in a culture and a society that has no context for spiritual matters. That's our challenge. That's the tension we wrestle with right now. Uh, From the beginning, we experience a God who has always, and I mean always, moved towards humanity. Even though we made the mistake of sinning and made the mistake of moving away from him, God has always moved towards us. The Bible is full of story after story after story of him moving towards humanity, of him choosing to um, ignore, not ignore, of choosing him to um, overlook sin, and overlook um, the things that would separate us from him. I mean, he approached, uh, the Bible says that he picked a man called Abraham, and the Bible has no other context than other than God picked him. Like just grace, pure grace right there, just going, you know what, I choose you. You're not a holy man, you're not anything special, but I choose you, and out of you I'm going to create a people, and I'm going to choose that people, and then from that people I'm going to raise up a savior who's going to uh, be the savior for all people, right? That's God's plan for humanity. Uh, he has done, in the, and we see this most prominently in the life of Jesus, who puts, who is God and yet came as a human being to make a way for us that we might then be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him, Right? So God is continually moving towards humanity. Uh, We understand and are unashamed that this is the greatest news that we can be a part of, the greatest cause that we can uh, participate in, the greatest news that we can tell anyone. But you won't believe that unless you've experienced it for yourself. Like, I can tell you the good news of the gospel. I can tell you how amazing it is. I can tell you just how great Jesus is. But until you've experienced it for yourself, it's not, it's not going to be the same. Leonard Ravenhill said this, A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. A man with an experience of God, or a woman with an experience of God, is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. We, you and I, we need an encounter with God. We need to experience God. 
we, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, but our faith is one of an experiential nature. It was never meant to be a book that we read and got an idea of who God is and followed some precepts and concepts and, and, and commandments and, and the do's and don'ts. And No, no, we were always meant to experience God. When, when we look at the original design for humanity back in Genesis, we find, a, uh, we find Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the evening. That was the design. That was the perfect state for humanity. We were designed to encounter the living God. You can't talk about a freedom you don't know. You can't testify about a victory you haven't experienced. You can't lead people somewhere where you haven't been. And we can't introduce someone to someone that we don't know. And with all that in mind, that's my introduction. We need, we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. We need to know the Holy Spirit because it's through the Holy Spirit that we encounter God. It's through the Holy Spirit that we, uh, we come into connection with God here in this day and age. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we're able to live in the greater things that Jesus made available to us. Listen, if you're here tonight and you don't call yourself a Christian, you don't know God, you're not familiar with church in any way, shape, or form, thank you for being here, first of all. Uh, this message is particularly important for you because, and I want to get this right, uh, we're not only going to unpack who and how to meet with God, but we're going to give you an opportunity at the end to actually experience Him, to come into contact with Him. Now listen, if you're here tonight and you are a Christian, you believe in Jesus, you follow, you consider yourself a follower of God, this message is important for you and it matters for you because you're going to be reminded to, of, or maybe introduced to, the theology of the Holy Spirit his role in your life, and you too will be given an opportunity to have an encounter with God tonight. And some of you tonight maybe get that opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here we go. The, introduce, the, the title of my message tonight is The Day I Met God. And if you are ready, let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did and what he made possible. Thank you for the personal and eternal experience of God through faith in him. Thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. You're here with us right now. This is not um, Dan's 30 minutes of great ideas. This is Dan submitting himself to the power and the will of God for this moment in time for these people. And God, I pray that you would use me as a mouthpiece. I pray that you would find my heart, my mouth, my everything open for your absolute control and to have your absolute way. And I pray more than anything that people won't remember my name tonight, but people would encounter you, Holy Spirit. That people would see you, Holy Spirit. That people would know you, Holy Spirit. And we pray all this in your mighty name. And everyone who agreed said... Amen. Amen. Do you remember the first time that you, um, that you experienced something that you'll never forget? Do you remember that? I, I don't know what it is for you, but like, do you remember something that you'll never forget because you experienced it, right? Like, it's like you came face to face with death. I don't know. Like, maybe you came face to, like, for me, I'll never forget doing a speech in grade three and being dacked by a girl named Simone in front of the entire class. No word of a lie. I got up to do my speech that everyone was sitting on the floor, like I'm like 30 centimeters from Simone in front of me. I don't, like her name is permanently branded in my mind, right? Like, like, and she, no reason whatsoever, just decided to pull my shorts down in front of the entire class. I'll never forget that. 
that's something that you can only experience, right? Like, I, I just, I'll never forget watching Ben Jami be sucked out of a plane at 15,000 feet. Like, like, I knew we were going skydiving, but it wasn't real until that moment. Right? Like, I'm sitting there, he's, he's like the first out of the plane. And we knew he was going to be first, but just the way it all happened, like there was suddenly a green light, suddenly there was a bunch of noise, suddenly our instructors who were strapped to the back of us started moving and shuffling around, like they know what it's doing, we're all kind of just like, okay, cool. Like, this is like, and then all of a sudden, Ben's just like, I'm like, oh! like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like, and then I'm like, oh, that's right, we're jumping out of this plane. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And then actually jumping myself, man, I can tell you all about skydiving because I've experienced it, and it is awesome. I recommend it for everyone. Um, Danielle's 30th, we're, we're going. Let's, Smitty, I see you. Come on, I see that hand. Yes, come on. I'll, I'll never forget getting married to Sarah, watching her walk down the aisle. I'll, I'll never forget Benai being born because I've, I've experienced that. I'll never forget being given Audrey. I, I just, like, these are, the experience is something that shapes us. It, it molds us. It, it changes us. Some experiences forever leave a mark on us. On the other side of that experience, we're forever changed. We, we walk different. We think different. We see the world differently. I, I remember the first time I was slain in the Spirit. I remember the first time the power of God came upon me in such a way, so powerfully, that, that I, I physically couldn't remain standing. It was, I, I didn't go out, like, I'll be honest with you, I've been a faller before. You know, like, guys put his hands on you and you're like, no, no, I'm fighting this thing. He's like, no, you're going down. I'm like, no, I'm fighting it. You know, but I remember coming into real contact where some, he didn't even need to touch me. And the power of God hit me so real, so, so forcefully, and yet with such an embrace that I could not stand on my feet. Yeah. I, I remember, I've experienced that power. I've experienced those moments. I remember receiving a prophetic word like someone was reading my mail. Like, like, like you don't know me, and they're just like, yeah, but I do. You know, like... Like, I saw you, and I see this, and this is going on, and you prayed this prayer, and God sees your heart, and, this, and you're just going, <laughs> like, it's not even a pretty cry. Like, it's just ugly cry. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, I've experienced that. And, and we need these experiences. Experience is often something that we deem really important, right? Like, we, we, want, we want employees, when we hire them, to have experience. Right? Experience is important. We wish that our teenagers had more experience. Very quiet in the room. All right. Most of you are teenagers going, uh, I thank you very much. We hope our doctors and our surgeons have a lot of experience. Right? We expect that people learning to drive get 100 hours of experience under supervision before we let them on the road unsupervised to get more experience. Like, we, we can experience really important, and yet, when it comes to our faith, we often don't hold that same regard for experience. When it comes to our faith, we don't always see experience as such a crucial, if not foundational, element to what we believe. Like, it's one thing to talk about God, but it's another thing to come into complete contact with God. And for God to 
come into contact with you. And I think part of the reason for this experience is because we live in a world and a society and a culture that is curated or, or, or operates around a worldview in where only the material really exists. Only the physical, only the things that we can touch really exist. We live in a world and a society that only believes in what it can measure. It only believes in what can be physically experienced, sight, touch, taste, hear, sound, that, like that type of a thing. It only believes in things that can be mathematically calculated, scientifically quantified, philosophically deduced and dissected. And if we can't understand it or put it in a nice little box, it mustn't be real. And yet, I have never met God in such a way that he fit my definition. Like, I have an understanding of God. I have a concept of God. I have what the Bible tells me about God in regards to what God has chosen to reveal about himself. But every time I come into contact with him, it's, it's never enough. It's never a big enough definition. It's never a true enough word. It's because God is immeasurable. He is enormous in size alone. But yet, in everything, the only word that can fully quantify God is infinite. Infinite in love, infinite in mercy, infinite in grace, infinite in kindness, infinite in patience, infinite in power, and infinite in might, and infinite in beauty, and infinite in majesty, and infinite in holiness, infinite in every single way. There is no end to, no limit to, no possible end to our God, and yet we try to, at some point, try and fit him in our nice little Sunday routine and hope that that's enough to get me through the week. Or maybe even hope that that's enough to get me into heaven. We live in a society that is ad, like aggressively against the things that we believe. We don't live in a, in, a, in a Christian society. Go back maybe 400 years, and, and everyone was kind of on the same page in regards to what was moral and what was good and what was proper. Go even back 200 years and you'll probably, even maybe you could go back 100 years and you'd still find that the general foundation of our society, but so far in the last maybe 20 to 30 years, there has been such an erosion to the moral fabric of our society and it's because that we have in the background an enemy that is out to turn our people away, turn people away from the possibility and the reality of a God who cannot be quantified by anything that we can touch, taste, feel, hear, or see. He cannot be philosophically deduced and dissected. He defies that. He is beyond it. He can be understood because he chooses out of his own self-revelation called the Word of God to be known and more, to be known, more than known, experienced come into contact with, where we can actually feel his presence, we can know his heart, we can feel him in us, we can be known by God and God can be known to us. It's not merely life and death anymore, it's heaven and hell, it's more than just this society that we're against, this enemy that we're against is not just about um, making us, you know, avoid church on Sunday. He's more concerned with where we're going to spend eternity. And he will use, 
He will use every uh, political, economical, educational, and social system to his advantage to hinder, pervert, and destroy your life. He will make you a victim. He will make you offended. He will make you bitter. He will use anything and everything possible so that you choose not to experience the freedom that is found in coming to an encounter with God. Jesus himself faced this enemy, and I don't know if we should be surprised if we have to face the same enemy. If we have, if we have a God who said uh, that, that, that it is good for a student to be like his teacher, and we look at our teacher and find that he, in the first parts of his ministry, it went toe-to-toe with the devil and came out victorious, then why shouldn't we, A, go toe-to-toe with the devil, but B, come out victorious? We, but to do that, we need an experience. We need an encounter. We need something of the Holy Spirit who was Jesus' source while on earth. Let me give you a quick theology lesson. Jesus comes as fully God and fully human. Okay, that's another message for another time, and I look forward to when I get to do the full deity and humanity of Jesus Christ, but we're not there yet. Okay, so let me, the, the quick version is Jesus is at the same time fully God, fully human, right? He comes and he denies his God self. He denies his deity, the full power of God, and, and chooses to operate fully human, right? And he does that under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He submits himself to the full power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he often withdrew to get away with his father to be refilled with the Spirit of God, to be reminded of his mission, to be reminded. And so we need to know that if it was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus in his life and ministry, and we're called to do greater things than Jesus, then we need to know that same power source, that same person of the Holy Spirit. So... Quick theology 101 for the Holy Spirit. Here we go in rapid fire. The first thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is this. He is a person. And this is so significant because because if he's not a person, we can't have personal relationship with him. If he's an impersonal force, if he's a mystical energy, if he's anything along those lines, then we can't have relationship with him and we can't know him in a way that we can operate in, in conjunction with and partnership with him. We can't submit ourselves to an imp- impersonal force. We can't invite an impersonal force into our life to be part of our life. We can't invite it into our marriage to help with our marriage. We can't invite an impersonal force into our parenting to help with our parents. We can't invite it into our studies. We can't invite, because it's impersonal. It, does its own, it, it, it has no will, no emotion, no, none of that. It's just something out there. But if it's a person... If the Holy Spirit is a person, then he has a personality. He has a way to be known and a way to be interacted with and in a way to be uh, drawn near to and a way to be understood. In the same way that you meet any other person that you might know or might not yet know but would like to get to know, you would then get to know them the way you would get to know anyone. Hi, my name is Daniel. I'd like to take you out on a date, Sarah Myhill. Not yet Sarah Myhill. And she says, no, I'm actually about to start dating another guy. Another story for another time. But if you know, you know. Um, Listen, he is fully God. Back to theology 101 with the Holy Spirit. He is a person. And yet he is still fully God. He is co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. This means that he has all the same power, the same purpose, and the same essence and nature as God the Father and God the Son. Um, and if, listen, if we fail to see him as a person, 
we cannot encounter him in a personal way. It will, in essence, hinder our worship because true worship is a personal activity and a means of personal relationship. And the logical next step for him being a person is that he has characteristics that we attribute to a person. He has a mind, Romans 8 verse 30. He makes decisions, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He makes personal actions like speaking in Acts, interceding in Romans, and guiding in John. I can give you these scripture references later. I'm just looking at the time and I'm already just like burning through my time. Um, He possesses intelligence, 1 Corinthians 2, um, and he has or displays emotions. He can be grieved in Ephesians. He demonstrates love in Romans. Um, He is a person that we can know, and we need a personal encounter with him. I I often play games with the Holy Spirit, and oftentimes it's in traffic um, or when I'm driving. The first time I did this, um, I was... um, I, I don't know what, what I was doing, but I remember being in one part on the south side and I needed to drive home and it was like maybe five minute drive, 10 minute drive. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit. Like, I'm gonna, I just, I wanna be close to you. I, I'm gonna pray in tongues um, until I get home. I, I know the way home's like literally just one really long, really long road called Creek Road and I'm like, then I'll be home. So I just started praying in tongues um, and, and then um, I get a red light. I'm like, oh, that's, you know. Sure, keep praying in tongues. Then get another red light. Sure. And if you've been on Creek Road, you know that it's like every like 50 meters, there's a red light. It's like, red light, got another red light. I got every red light on the way home. And I exaggerate not, it's probably near along 20 red lights, like just going, and I'm still praying in tongues, going, okay. And I get home, and I'm like, what the heck, God? Like, what's going on? He goes, I just want to spend time with you. You said you were going to just pray in tongues till you got home, so I just wanted to make that time as long as possible. Oh, like just like floored, and just in my car, got back to the ugly cry. <laughs> you know, like okay, <laughs> you know, like okay, like cool. I, I remember moving up to the north side and figuring out that there was more than one way to get to church or get to home. Um, and this is back when the big Rothwell roundabout was still a thing. And then they started doing all the the construction, and so you could slip down. I think it's called Stubbins Road or something like that. So I started playing a game with God. I said, God, I, I want to know you better. I want to know your voice. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to direct me um, just so I can learn to hear your voice better. Left means that I go straight ahead and go through the Rothwell intersection, or right means I, I dart down Stubbins and stick to the 60-kilometer speed limit. Um, and, and so, um, and so I, you know, I started doing this with God, and, and sh- God would show up every time. I'd ask him. I'd say, God, left or right? And I get a prompt. It's just, it's, it's not, I don't hear an audible voice. It's not like, I, you know, God's suddenly like, go left. You know, like, it, it's, it's more just a, man, the first thing that pops into my heart, my spirit, my mind type of a moment, just, okay, I've got to go right, or I've got to go left. Um, and so I, I do that. And then, you know, sometimes it's like, you turn right, and you know most often than not there's a red light there, and then all of a sudden you just go green for no reason. You're like, whoo, Holy Spirit's real. Come on. Like, you know, like, drive it. And other times, nothing. And I'm like, God, what the heck? I'm like, I'm running late now. Like, you know, and, and I'd, get to, I'd get to work. And I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? Like, I am just, I'm now five minutes late. I haven't beat Sam to church. And you know that if you don't beat the boss to, to work, well, what's even the point of showing up for that day? Like, you know, and the Holy Spirit goes, when did this become about you getting to work on time? Ugh. You know, back, back to the ugly cry. You know, like, because he's real and he wants to encounter us. He's real and he wants to be known by us. Look, if we go back to our scriptures, right? We see a people that 
that have an encounter with God. They have a, a moment with God. The whole room shakes, right? The disciples pray this bold prayer, Holy Spirit, we want you to be famous. We want Jesus to be known. Would you do something in our lives? And the Holy Spirit shows up and they have an encounter. They have a moment. They experience something of the power of God. And look what happens when they experience God firsthand. They then go into a situation that is tough. They go into a situation where they get flogged. They go into a situation where they cop a physical beating. But because they've had an encounter, they're able, they come out going, Woo! That was awesome. We should do that again. Let's keep preaching. <laughs> like, that's unreal. But it's what happens when you have an encounter with God. It's what happens when you meet with God. I, I, I remember... I remember walking through stuff. I remember, like, um, before moving up to the north side of Brisbane, Sarah and I lived on the south side, and we were pastors at Carindale, um, at our Carindale location, and we led there for a number of years, um, and, and I, I lost my job there. I got let go, um, and that was the toughest season I've ever walked through. And, I, and honestly, I... I I went to head-to-head head with God going, what the heck? And, and nothing. Like, I got two words from God. One, trust me. Like, I'm, I, I'm like leaving my house to walk to the car to go to the meeting that I didn't know but would be the meeting where they said, you're no longer employed. And, and I, I walk out and I'm about to walk out the gate and the Holy Spirit says, just trust me. And I'm like, and in my head, like, you're interpreting the situation at the time then, and you're like, oh, this is good. I'm, I can trust God. Like, he's, he's, he's my God. Like, you know, my guy. You know? <laughs> Ends up, I get fired. I'm like, trust you? You just betrayed me. You just stabbed me in the back, God. Like, what the heck? And so then I, we did life, and we landed on something, I suppose, and kept trying to roll forward. And um, I'm in a miserable job a couple of weeks later trying to cope with everything that was going on in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. The, the dream was dead. The, the hope was dying. Everything just seemed gray, bleak, and, and it was, it was a, honestly the toughest thing I'd walked through. Um, and I remember sitting in traffic with God, crying out to him, going, what? How do you fix it? How do you... How do we... Where to from, like, what? I, I can't even form sentences. Like, I just, oh, so upset, so angry. And I remember God clearly, distinctly, without a shadow of doubt, spoke to me. He said, I will make a way for you. And the underlying tone was that, don't do anything, just sit. And I remember watching in front of me as peak hour traffic on the south side no word of a lie parted like the Red Sea for 50 meters, and I was able just to keep driving through. And that might not seem like much to you because you didn't experience it, but for me, it was like the very hand of God just went, I've got you. And I've watched him over the last five years move me, my family, our finances, our relationship, our parenting, everything. Based on that word, I'll make a way for you. We need to meet with God. I could tell you story after story of where I, I, I've come face to face with our enemy. Where, where I've, I, I, went into, I went into a movie that I, I knew I shouldn't have gone into. 
But my friend said it wasn't going to be as scary as I thought, as they thought, or whatever. And, and you know, like, you're like, okay, like, sure, I'll, I'll come in. The movie was called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And, um, and I didn't even get through the, the, like, opening credits before I had to walk out. Like, my, my spirit was hibbity-jibbity, like, just all over the place. Like, I'm like, Ugh! And I get home that night after hanging out with my friends, and I, I'm lying in bed, and I, my mind is racing. My spirit is like... I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I look, I open my eyes as I'm lying in my bed, and I look at my door, which is like one of those sliding doors. And, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It was like the blackest I've ever seen. And then two yellow eyes just opened up on it. And I'm like, Mom! Like, and if you know my mom, she's a like prayer warrior. Like I'm like, I don't know, maybe 18 at the time. I'm like, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. All of a sudden, I come face to face with the reality of the supernatural. And I'm like, I'm a baby. Like... A mess, and my mum comes in. She prays, and it's all good. Go back a couple of years in 2018. I'm at youth camp for the first time. Pastor Sam has just brought me back on staff. That's a miracle in and of itself. Another time, uh, and I'm I'm at youth camp. I'm kind of like not where I'm supposed to be at the time. I'm meant to be somewhere else, and and God. Uh, this guy comes over and grabs me, and, and I just feel the Holy Spirit just say, "Be ready." I'm like, "Okay, sure." So I walk into this room, and I'm like, maybe he just wants me to, I don't know, help move chairs or set something up. You know, that's usually what people grab me for. Um, and walk in, and there's this girl on the floor with two of our youth pastors up at North um, fully manifesting a demonic spirit. And they go, we don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I do? And I just, the Holy Spirit step-by-step step guided me. This is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. Until such a time as cast out in Jesus' name. We are in a real battle. We face a real enemy, but we have a real God who is full of power, full of might, and we can experience him. We can encounter him. We can come into contact with him. When you experience something, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you come hungry, God meets us right there in that moment. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.